Praise be to God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And that is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and next to me, the president of this book factory, Steve Den Hartog. What's up, everybody? Good Steve, to be with you. Steve hasn't been around for a little bit, and uh, busy. he's been busy. Uh, but uh, Steve, like I always say, what's what's going on with British? Because we got a lot now going on. We do. We do. We finally got our, our permits approved, so we are ready to move forward. We are ready to rock and roll with a finish off on the new building. Mm. So that's super exciting. Uh, just continuing to move forward with Spanish ministry. Super excited about the conference we got coming up about a week and a half with uh, Suhel Michelin. That's going to be super good. Um yeah, just a lot going on here at the ministry. Yeah, and uh, please uh, make sure that you guys are going right now to BridgemanLaredo.org. We have auctions going on. Yeah. We are doing uh, fundraising for the finish off. Again, we did not expect the cost uh, to be so high uh, for materials. Again, because we are just still in COVID and everything just going on with all the all the um, uh, boats stuck out in the out, out in the ocean trying to get into yeah, the, in the to, port in the ports. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we just want to make sure we're giving all the honor and glory to God. He has been so, so good to Bridge Ministry, and he is a great God always to to his uh, to his children. But, Amen. man, um, we, we've we been just trusting him, and he's just been coming through over and over again and you just uh, amazing. Yeah. So if you want to if you want to uh, bid on that Bible, it's a super nice ESV handbound Bible um, by Jeffrey Rice Jeffrey Rice yes beautiful Bible we've got a grill we're putting up for uh, raffle actually yes. for you local people yes so, so just uh, please visit our we website we got a lot of stuff going on I mean we've been just promoting really really hard all the different things that we have going on with auctions and and just giving and uh, and again this is for for the people for Laredo for God's glory you know we we've been talking to a seminary uh, hopefully we'll get that uh, started up uh, start soon. doing some local seminary classes yeah which uh, man super excited about that please please don't forget to subscribe to Apple Android Google and Stitcher Radio and please visit our website at bridgemanlaredo.org today we're going to have a Dr. Tommy Grover and we're going to be talking about human trafficking and sexual exploitation so it's going to be a very very sensitive uh, topic for some people that might be listening yeah uh, maybe so if victim. you got kids you might want to yes um, and, and we're going to be talking to it. talking about her book Compelled by Austin Brothers there's publishing so uh, we're super excited to have her on um, again you know being in the ministry here we have heard a lot of stories um, about just people unfortunately with, the border areas yes. are super big areas for human trafficking yes so. and 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 it is sad and uh, again we've sat here and we know a lot of stories of just yeah. people coming in here who just uh, have to told their stories. And, you know, I've heard stories just outside, uh, just at where we work. We work in a pediatric office and, you know, we see some sad things at times. And but uh, we we just believe in a sovereign God. And yes. Amen. So, uh, Steve, why don't we get this podcast started? Let's go. All right. Dr. Tommy Grover has been compelled to be involved in solving the human trafficking problem. 
She actively pursues educating others about the atrocities of exploitations and engages the response through connecting with grassroots effort around the globe. Welcome, Dr. Tommy Grover, to Bridge Radio for the first time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, Dr. Grover, I really was uh, enjoying your book, going through it, um, just being here in Laredo and being at a ministry here. Uh, we get to talk to a lot of people. Um, we get to experience uh, their pains at time that they share with us here. And one of the things that um, um, you're not aware about this, but uh, me and my wife, we uh, uh, we own a pediatric office here in Laredo, Texas, uh, a pediatric dentistry office here in Laredo, Texas. So we see a lot of kids, too, who have stories of abuse, uh, sad stories that we just heard in the passages uh, of things that you would just uh, that you know about. And and I I have never been exposed to anything like this. Uh, I'm originally from Chicago. Uh, God brought us down here about several years ago and was not really aware of the issue of human trafficking and sexual exploitation um, um, around the globe. And, you you know, I got exposed a little bit just being here at Bridge, which is people who have experienced this. But then reading your book has opened my eyes to like, wow, I was just not aware of these things. But um, before we begin, Dr. Grover, can you just pl- please share a little bit about yourself and how God drew you to save, Saving Faith? Sure. Uh, so I was... In my senior year at the University of Florida, and I was dating a young, a young man who came to faith in Christ, and so I really had to grapple with that because I thought we were going to be together, and um, I really started exploring it. And um, even in the false motivation of why I started exploring it, God was at work, and so I too came to know Christ, and it's been a process of sanctification ever since then. So that's uh, been a real journey, and uh, I won't even bother to tell you how many years ago that was, because then you know how old I was. <laughs> but no, it's been over 40 years, so I'm very excited about what God's done in that time frame as I've continued to surrender my life to him. Mm, wow. Amen. So Tommy, uh, why write this book on human trafficking? So the title is compelled mm. and I really felt compelled by God to, uh, write down not only my story, but, uh, some stories of other people who were ruined to this topic. I call it glorious ruination because as you've learned that this isn't just something that happens somewhere else in the world, it happens right in our own backyards. Mm. People will really get uh, drawn into responding because of their faith or because of just a, a personal uh, history that compels them to engage on this topic. And I wanted to write things down to help people to understand how God calls us to actively work in this space and then how we can actively work in this space. And I really felt like God was calling me to put it in a way that the church, his people could know that there's a worldwide delivery mechanism he's already put in place and it's called the church. Mm. And we just need to prepare ourselves to respond to what he's doing in the world and join him in that work for responding to trafficking. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's so true. Um, 
You know, one of the things while I was reading your book and um, was the just the statistical facts that uh, you just place in your book. And Tommy, can you just share some of those statistical facts about uh, child forced labor? Sure. So these uh, estimates of the prevalence of labor trafficking and sex trafficking around the world are constantly evolving. And that's exactly what they are, is a snapshot in time, an estimate. And different researchers use different methodologies. But even just a simple Google search on what uh, the estimates are for labor trafficking at this point from the International Labor Organization, and we can drop this into the podcast notes, is from the Department of Labor. Mm. The current statistics indicate that there are about 160 million children between the ages of 5 and 17 who are engaged in child labor in 2021, mm. of which 79 million are in hazardous labor conditions. And so we know that globally children are often um, conscripted even as a part of a whole family. In some cultures, it's quite normative that the entire family would be enslaved. But for children who are uh, given opportunity to work because they may be um, migrants in uh, certain countries where it's not legal for the migrant parent to work, they'll put the children to work so that they have income for the uh, entire family. And so labor trafficking in and of itself is a huge problem. And children often um, are engaged in ways that uh, we wouldn't normally see. It's a it's a hidden hidden crime yeah. in many respects. And there's there's some labor trafficking here in the United States. Uh, don't be fooled by um, us being um, a first world country that we wouldn't have children in labor trafficking. And in fact, uh, Texas had its first. Uh, child labor trafficking case this year that the person who was convicted of trafficking was a foster parent that had um, had the children in a puppy mill and it was up here in the North Texas area and she got 99 years for trafficking these children in, in the puppy mill. So it's potentially right here it's just often hidden. Yeah. Um, one thing that was surprising when I was reading uh, the first part of your book, um, you were mentioning, and, and I'm quoting your book right now. Do you know where the coffee you drink with breakfast was harvested? And if the folks that touched the beans were paid a livable wage, have you eaten chocolate this week? Would it bother you to know that most of the chocolate produced in the world comes from exploit, exploited children forced to harvest the cocoa pods? It is very likely these children will never taste chocolate in their lot in their lifetime. Um, I I read that and I love chocolate and I was like, what, Abe? Um, and if uh if my if my wife who she will listen to this podcast knows that I love these little Hershey's with almond chocolate uh nuggets and that really hit me hard when I read that um like I'm not I'm eating this chocolate not even thinking where it's coming from and I'm assuming that's what you were trying to get at when you when you wrote that part Yes. When I do presentations, I, especially when I'm able to include the labor trafficking pieces of it, I like to put kisses out on the seats, chocolate oh. kisses, so that they pick it up and go, oh, yeah, kisses, kisses. And, and then we talk about uh, 
the slavery that's involved in the chocolate industry uh, pretty globally. There's a lot of information that's available out there. One of the things I did in the book was to make sure that you had footnotes and notes, if you will, uh, on where to find more information. And one of those pieces that I really love to use is slaveryfootprint.org. It's slaveryfootprint.org, O-R-G. And it's a self-assessment. And you go on there and you answer a series of questions and then your results will be uh, an estimate of how many uh, people who are enslaved likely worked so that you could have what you are using in your everyday life, whether it's food, clothing, other products, electronics especially, and the kinds of things that are involved in the everyday life that we do not know where those things come from, and we contribute to trafficking without a second thought. Mm. Wow, you just mentioned electronics. Well, you know, we are, you know, I'm big on electronics. You know, we love our our, our products. Um, and, you know, I love going to Best Buy, you know, uh, especially owning a business. We're, we're always going there, and we're always talking about the things that we use. And, 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 and Tommy, why don't, why don't we talk about this? Like, why is it like so hush hush? Um, is that a fair statement for me to say? Um, as far as like where all these things, who are make, who's making these things? Well, it's kind of the see no, say no, hear no. Mm. If you if you don't know what you are contributing to, and you really don't have a reason to care at this point, mm. um, then why would you go investigating it? Mm. And um, until we're awakened to the fact that we personally contribute to this uh, and that we can make changes in our buying habits, we can absolutely decide differently about what we're going to buy and how we're going to consume products mm. that do not contribute to trafficking. Uh, we, we have to have an awakening. And I know that that's a part of what God's doing in the world is awakening people to what is going on in and around their lives and in the things that they consume on a daily basis. So I'm going to bring it home to you for in the Valley. Mm. So fruits and vegetables, a lot of agriculture happens in the Valley, right? Yeah. And we don't know who's working in those fields Mm. and, we don't know what kind of um, income that they're getting in that. And um, I mentioned in the book at some point the Immokalee Farm Workers Union out of Florida. Uh, I, as you um, may know, I'm, I'm, I grew up uh, in my adult life in Florida and spent a lot of years there. And um, so it, it kind of came home to me that there are people who are picking fruits and vegetables that I, I have no clue. Mm. Uh, about whether they're actually uh, being forced to do that, whether they're being allowed to have a personal life, uh, you know, outside of work and what that may look like. There's some organizations that are working uh, in the Rio Grande Valley area to allow workers to know that they have rights while they're working in the United States about labor practices and those kinds of things and how to get assistance if they're um, being mistreated by their employers. And I think we have to be a little more uh, concerned about the kinds of interactions that we have that allow people to uh, stay enslaved right in our communities. And we aren't asking good questions. We're not giving them good options. And they don't know that if they're a victim of a labor uh, 
a forced or fraud or coercion issue that they actually could be potentially victims of trafficking. What are their living conditions? Are they able to keep their identification? Are they housed appropriately? You know, all kind of different things that could be a part of what we see and begin to identify. Uh, there's a video here in Texas that the Office of the Attorney General have done. It's called Be the One. And it tells everyday ordinary citizens how they can see something and say something about conditions that may indicate that there's people who are being uh, forced to um, work in, live in conditions that are unacceptable. Yeah. And, and, um, just moving down here, we, we, we first moved to the Valley when we, uh, when I moved from Chicago and then, uh, we ended up here in Laredo. Um, one of the things that was really surprising to me to see, um, was, uh, obviously this, you know, we are in the South Valley, we share a border with Mexico, um, and just how, uh, communicating with, us, uh, people, uh, down here, um, I was, they were just like, yeah, you can pay them a certain amount of money and, um, and you'll be fine. I, you know, I really had an issue with that. I'm just sharing a personal story. And, um, and I was like, this person is a, uh, um, made in God's own image. I am Mm going to pay him what I think his labor is worth. And again, I'm not trying to say that, that I'm this awesome person or anything like that. I just know, uh, the worth of human life. And, you know, and if, if you talk to anybody that knows me, I always want to be fair in paying somebody who deserves a fair wage. Not because, because the Bible says that, um, that we must take care of the people and I'm not here to exploit anybody. And the, the, the thing was that, um, they would, some of the people that, have worked for me in the past were just really shocked, you know, and just kind of had this look on her face. Like, why are you doing this? You know, like almost like if I had, you know, a a bad intention or something, but, um, Mm -hmm. but it gave me an opportunity to talk to uh, some of them about Christ and, and definitely have made a difference because, um, you know, they just take care of you you know, and they see that you're not trying to take advantage. So that was really something new for me. I I, I come from a, a big city my whole life and never was exposed to that. Um, but I was really surprised of just kind of the normalization of that type of language, you know. Well, trafficking in and of itself is pretty much an issue of economics yeah. in some respects mm-hmm. because you have the buyer, the seller, and the product, and anytime you want to make more money, you try and find the place at which you can save the most. And uh, when it comes to labor in the scheme of economics, if you can cut your labor costs and keep your product costs low, then you have a better chance of making a profit, right? You know this being in business. You have to see where you can keep your costs low. Mm. So you, you, you buy goods and services at the lowest price point you can in order to have the things you need, but without having to pay an exorbitant price. Well, this is everyone's motivation. Basically, when we go to the marketplace is to buy the products at the best value Mm. for what we want to pay, right? Yes. So, if we can minimize our labor costs by exploiting individuals for a lesser 
uh, pay, then that's where we focus our, our efforts to make sure that we can keep the cost down. And it can become pretty quickly an exploitive situation where these folks who are um, desperate for income will take whatever wages are available for them to be able to take care of themselves and potentially send money home if there's anything left after their exploiters get done charging them exorbitant fees for where they live, the food that they have access to, transportation, all of the ways that they make them pay back what they are offering to them in order to keep the costs low for their products. Yeah. Wow. That that's so true about just uh, business in general. You know, um, again, you know, labor is the most expensive thing that I pay well, out. Well, one of the, yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned was that the value of their um, them as an individual, their mm-hmm. value as a human being, and you want to pay them what they're worth. And I think one of the other ways that we have to frame this is that this is basic human rights that we're mm-hmm. looking at in the global perspective is yes. that the value of humanity has been so degraded that the average cost for a human being in the world today is about $9. That's oh. according to Dr. Kevin Bales when he estimates what people you know, are, are expending for um, slave labor is you you can purchase um, a human being in this space in the global environment for about $90. But when we talk about sex trafficking, you can rent a child for much less than that for sexual purposes. And so um, the value of humanity in and of itself has to be elevated in the conversation for the church to understand that this is why Christ came and that he values every human being equally. And we should be taking a different uh, look at what is God valuing? How would he have us approach this? And what what would his character in this situation guide us to do in response to the devaluation of a human being? Wow, that, that really breaks my heart to hear um, that about children. And I mean... Um, and, and and can you before we get to the next questions, can can we just can we maybe possibly hear some story a little bit more, uh, either story or statistical about just the exploitation of children and the sexual trafficking uh, situation? I I I just want people to know because uh, one of the things that we like to do we here at at Bridge Radio we we want to make sure that people are getting truth. You know, I don't want to. Um, uh, cover up the truth or try to be, uh, just be a little bit surface about the truth. Um, you know, one thing that we did in the intro is that we let our, our listeners know that if they had any children in the room uh, while listening to please, you know, they might want to take them out because we were going to talk about some of these sensitive things. But can you just share some, maybe some stories or some more uh, just facts about child forced labor and, and sex? I know that we talked about a little bit uh, before, but Maybe you can tell us just a little bit more and expound on that. So I think the best option is to point to some resources that we can do in the notes of the podcast for mm. further learning. Okay. And um, I've sent you a couple things that may be helpful for your listeners and helping them to become 
learners about this because mm. there's no way in a single hour podcast that we could teach everything I know. A- absolutely. I started <laughs> learning since 2000. That's why you got to get the book. <laughs> yeah, that's why you got to get the book. And it's a great starting place. Yes. Um, I think when we look at the estimates of 40 million plus uh, people enslaved in the world today, there are a lot of people enslaved in the world today than at any other time in history. Even during the 300 years of the transatlantic slave trade, there wasn't this many people enslaved in the world. And we estimate somewhere around 70% of those are women and children. Mm. And the, 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 stats on you know what percentage is labor and what percentage is sex trafficking is really skewed by what's often talked about in the public versus what reality is because mm. we talk about sex trafficking a lot because it's a quote-unquote sexy topic and mm. people are very interested in how could this be this is so egregious where in reality the majority of victims are labor trafficking mm. and yet because it is a sexy topic and because it's so um, sensationalized in the media about people who are exploited in the sex industry, especially when it comes to children. And let's be clear, this is an egregious and heinous crime that these children are enduring such uh, sexual abuse at the hands of sometimes family members, friends, peers, and uh, strangers who will exploit them for their own advantage. And so we, we want to make the a topic that people will understand, but we don't want to sensationalize it mm. in a way that they're going to not hear anything else we have to say because they've been yeah. so traumatized by yeah. you know all of those pieces. Yeah. And, and here in Texas, uh, I know that um, the commercial sexual exploitation identification tool that's being implemented around the state and used in our state is indicating that about 10% of our high-risk kids are, are either clearly being exploited or they're at high risk of being exploited. Mm. And when we look at the study that was done by the University of Texas, they did a prevalence estimate in 2016, and they estimated that over 79,000 children were uh, being exploited in our state at any given time. That, and, and one is too many, right? Yeah. If it was yes. just one child, we should be having this conversation. Yes. But if we're talking about 79,000 children or even potentially more than that, based on the numbers that we're seeing in the commercial sexual exploitation identification tool. Um, we, we have, a, it's like the old Apollo uh-huh, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and we really need to embrace what the role I think of the church could be, should be, would be about this issue and the options that it has to serve. We can start to change the narrative and we're going to have to look at what influence the church is having in the culture because it's it's pretty typically lost its influence in a lot of ways. But when it comes to our children, I think we really have to step into that space and embrace what would what Jesus do about this issue with our kids? Yeah. What would we want to do and reflect of who he is in this space? Yeah, and um That'll be, this is a good segue to this, but before we we go on, I really appreciate you sending me this uh, uh, clip it on YouTube by TBRI, Animated, uh, Animate uh, Human Trafficking. Um, One of, and we're going to post this on our, uh, on our, on our link so that people can just, uh, they, they were sharing some really interesting statistics. One thing that really stood out to me, which was very repulsive to me was just the manipulation of the person grooming 
the victims and what psychological effects they have uh, uh, on uh, on these children and women to exploit them and how, um, man, I, I want to say how meticulous or I don't know if you can help me out here with the vocabulary, but just uh, how they're how intentional they are of grooming these people to do what they want. And I was like, man, this is where are they where are they getting this from? Like, this is what, you know, sure. I know that we're in a fall. Or street psychologists, they, they have figure out where the vulnerability is, mm. and then they try to meet the need, mm. wow. or at least say that they're going to meet the need. Wow. So uh, one just real simple example is uh, a kid who's hungry is a vulnerable kid, mm. because if someone could come along and say, hey, you hungry? I'll get you food. And then there's that trust built, because pretty soon they're meeting a need. And there may be other needs. Well, why is this kid hungry? What's going on at home that they would not have food to eat? And what other needs do you have? How else can I um, get engaged with you to meet those needs? And then pretty soon is, um, well, if I'm going to keep meeting these needs, we're going to have to have some money in order to do this. And I know how we can do that. And you can help to make sure that we have what we need, pay the rent, do whatever it is that we need to do by doing these things. And pretty soon that kid's being exploited and they're in relationship with this person. So they've they've trusted them and now they're giving them this work, quote unquote, to do in order to contribute. And they don't know that it's exploitation. There's a whole... um, a systematic way of building trust and bonding that individual to them so that they uh, will will comply with what the requests are. And that's true even in a pimp culture that's based on violence, mm. is that there's much like a domestic violence power and control wheel, that individual bonds them to them as their sole source and provider and they expect compliance and if they fail to comply then they will beat them and and there's a lot of physical violence that goes along with it so it's not only psychological manipulation it's relational manipulation in fact most of these kids are getting engaged by relationships of people mm-hmm. that they suppose supposedly should be able to trust wow wow so, uh, Tommy, um, why are children so important to Jesus? Um, you know, I was reading your book and I was like, you know, Jesus loved children, but why are children important to Jesus? I know that they're important to everybody, but specifically children. You know, what's interesting is when we read the scriptures about um, God calling us children, mm. it's not a matter of age. It's, yeah. it's a matter of position. Yes. So uh, when uh, Moses is standing at the burning bush, uh, God says to him, this is Genesis chapter three. He says, I'm seeing what's happening. I'm hearing the cries of the children and I'm compassionately responding. And and what was Moses's next step is uh, to say, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly it's not me. But God, God was sending him as his ambassador to to free the slaves and to, uh, you know, help to free the captives, if you will. And it was a part of 
the demonstration of God thinking of us as his children, but also him compassionately responding. And we see through the New Testament that uh, Jesus said, you've got to be like little children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you know, let the children come to me and and those kinds of things. In uh, Luke uh, 18, verse 16, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. It's really an issue of when we think of children, we think of those that are under 18, right? Mm-hmm. Once they reach 18, like it's a magic number that happens at, at that click of the clock. And the reality is that our children are always our children. I'm a mother and I've got, my kids are older and they've got kids of their own. And it's like, uh, it's, we always think of our own children as kids and no matter how old they are. Yeah, I can't But help. that's. No, absolutely. You're just so spot on on that. Uh, I'm just thinking about First John where um, in uh, chapter 2, chapter 3, he's talking about little children. Uh, I'm just uh, right now I'm looking at First John Second uh, uh, 28 and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence in the hot and not shrink away from his shame. Uh, he goes in, th- in chapter three, seven, little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices mm-hmm. righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Um, by this, the children of God and the children, you know, and it, I just love what he's just saying here. You know, little, uh, little children, let us not love the word or the tongue, but indeed in truth. You know, uh, I forget. I forget that for sure you know, as well. Yeah. So God <laughs> thinks of us as his children mm. and, um, he values us greatly. Otherwise, why would Christ have died on the cross? Yes. And so because he values us and he provides opportunities for us to understand that he lavishly loves us. That's first John three, one God lavishly loves us. Even John three sixteen. for God so loved the world mm. that he gave his one and only son that whoever would come to him shall not perish. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's it's that kind of concept of elevating the value of humanity and elevating specifically those that are kids. Mm-hmm. I think those the children deserve us to think about how are we stewarding them in this world? Mm-hmm. How are we taking care of them and providing them options and opportunities? Uh, for me, there was a couple scriptures as I um, started learning about this and really uh, being what I call gloriously ruined to the topic because it's a process just like salvation as God calls you into uh, um, his work that he's designed you for. So we know Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you're saved by grace through faith, not by works lest any mention boast, but 2, 10 says he's actually created good works for us to do in advance, right? Yeah, we are his, we are his, work, we are his work missions created for good works, yes. Yeah, and so I I had grappled with that for a long period of time, and then I came across Proverbs 24, 11, and 12, which was like a, a, sh- a shaking moment for me to realize mm-hmm. what God was actually compelling me to do and to respond, and it was a part of that, what I call glorious ruination, because I was wrecked. I was ruined. I could not not do this issue. I was really compelled. Like Paul said, I'm compelled to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what God has for me. Mm. It just really moved me to action. And it was uh, Proverbs 24, 11 and 12, which says, rescue those being led away to death, hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And verse 12 says, if you say, but we know nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life 
know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? And I was just wrecked. Mm. I was wrecked. Not, not responding was not an option. Mm. And a uh, part of what God had already walked me through was he says, well, you've kind of got that. I uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You, you kind of got that one, the, the great commandment. And then the great commission was to go and tell, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we are supposed to do with the gospel is go and tell people about that. And then I came across Luke chapter four and that's where Jesus unrolls the scroll from Isaiah and he says, this is why I have come. Mm. And it was just like the light bulb went off. These are the great actions. So we've got the great commandment, the great commission, but here are the great actions. And he says, this is why I've come. Mm. And in that is to release the captives and those who are oppressed. So you marry that with Proverbs 24, and I'm like, okay, there's nothing in my life that's worth doing except for what he's calling me, compelling me to do. And um, basically, it's been this ever since. And I've been on this journey since 2006, and God just continues to reveal where he's at work. You really want to know where God's at work and join him Mm -hmm. in his work so that you're doing what he's designed you to do. And I have found that if you want to see where God's at work, you look in the darkness yeah. because trafficking is dark and it's not for the faint of heart. Mm. It's for those people who are actually called to it. Everyone has something that they can do to respond to it. But there are some of us who, like those called to the pastorate. You better be called yes. <laughs> in order to fill that role. Yes. And and in this space, like Moses was called to this, there there is a compelling that God will do in people's lives where they just can't get away from it. (laughs) I have have lots of friends, and I tell the story of about four people in the beginning of the book that that tells their glorious ruination story, how it intersected their lives, what God showed them that they needed to do, and how they responded. And I think that's where we really get um, fulfillment is finding what God has designed us to do and then going after it. Well, we give uh, God the praise and the glory that he has risen you up in this moment in time uh, for this purpose. And we appreciate everything that you're doing uh, with this uh, because, wow, you know, it's definitely opened my eyes for sure. Well, it it is an honor and it feels very much like an assignment from on high Mm -hmm. um, to to live out this space. One of the things that the second half of the book focuses on is a way that people can respond individually and then collectively as congregations and churches, what can they do Mm. to respond to this issue? And I used to teach with just a a whole lot of information that would come without, you know, uh, an action strategy. And people were like, just tell me what to do. Just just tell me what to do. And I'm like, I can't tell you. I don't know your gifts, skills, talents, and abilities. Mm. But I packaged the book in a way that's based on a public health framework. And I had started reading uh, Jonathan Todras, who's a law professor's work on getting upstream, really looking at uh, child sex trafficking as a public health issue. And I started focusing not just um, the global aspects of what trafficking looks like in both labor and sex trafficking really started to drill down and create a niche of expertise that had to do with commercial sexual exploitation of children and youth. And so 
when I started reading that, I began to understand how to package that so that the church could grapple with where they could activate their audience, their, mm-hmm. their congregants. And so it in, involves the word peer, prevention, intervention, education, and restoration. And there that four pillars of a peer that uh, the learners and the folks who are, are just really compelled to engage in this could look at actively responding to this issue in their own life and in their churches and in their communities. And I think that's where God would have us to work. Yeah. And so, um, Tommy, if somebody, um, somebody is listening to this podcast, how would, how, 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 how should they bring it up to church leaders? You know, uh, especially, you know, maybe somebody might be timid or they're just like, I don't know, they might shoot this down. They might tell us, but how, how would you just give somebody an advice? It was like, man, I read your book and how do I bring this to my church leaders and get them to open, uh, get their eyes open as well? Because, um, you know, if we're in a border town here, you know, I'm, I'm just listening to this. I don't know why any church and, and I'm just being specifically here, uh, in the border town. I mean, I think this is something that all churches should be, you know, awakened to, but, especially down in a border town here where we have the the movement of people coming in and out. Right. And we, we see stories in the news of, you know, uh, uh, of people being held in these homes and, you know, whatever it is. And we see the movement of just humans that are being trafficking up North and whatever. How, how do we approach church leaders? So I would say prayer is the work. Mm. And anything you do would be the reward for listening where God has asked you to respond. Mm. And that has to be personal as well as corporate. Mm. I believe God will show the individuals and the church where he's at work and how they can join him. And you have to consider what the cost of building the tower is. Even in the scripture, Mm. he tells us. Count the cost. And I think when you start reading the book, you you begin to understand that there are options and opportunities that are not going to require anyone to put themselves into a situation where they would become like Moses in the in the first uh, response he had to understanding that his people were enslaved. Mm. Uh, We don't want anybody to be in a vigilante. Yeah. That's what happened to Moses. Yeah. You know, he he heard God tell him that he was going to free the people. And so he went looking for a warrior's way of freeing the people. And he killed the Egyptian and then hit him. And uh, they, he was afraid they were going to kill him for having done that. So that's how Moses got to the desert for this first 40 years. Sounds like Peter a little bit too, huh? <laughs> Running from it. And I think what what we don't want to create is somebody who takes matters into their own hands and becomes vigilante about this issue. That's not God's solution. Yeah. And yeah. we wouldn't want them to end up in prison or having, you know, done something that was inappropriate and um, make it even worse. So I would say learn as much as you can. Pray about what you're learning and ask God to show you what it is that you need to do to respond. And and gather those around you who would be interested in learning alongside you. 
It could be a small group. It could be, um, you know, some a home study that someone. I've even had uh, folks use my book to do a book reading, and then uh, there's there's enough scripture in there. In fact, almost about ten percent of the book is <laughs> is really just scripture. Yes, uh, is is to study it out. Yeah. What is God asking you to do? What are the great actions of Luke 4, and how could we as a congregation or as individuals collectively respond to this? What other organizations are already doing something in our community, and how could we support them without having to recreate the wheel? Yes. Do we become a, you know, a volunteer in that organization? Do we take on a project to raise funds or to gather items that would be of use to their ministry? So if um, a local... I know I think Catholic Charities is pretty active in in your region. And what is it that they might need that your church could come alongside them and support them? You may not agree about theology, but it's not a barrier to providing for uh, their ministry to um, embrace the humanity of those individuals and provide special things for them, like food, clothing, shelter, you know, all of yeah. those things that they would need. Uh, and so it may be that you, you support someone who's already doing it. Yeah. And uh, you, you just don't have to disagree about a, a lot of things. Uh, you, you agree on this is the mission and this is how we're going to support it. But you may also feel compelled to start something of your own. You may want to start by looking at what is already happening, who's already doing what, and where are the gaps? What could we do to fill those gaps as a body? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, here at Bridge, you know, we uh, team up with some other organizations in in other areas. Uh, Again, we, we... we here we we want to team up with with people for for the purpose of the gospel and helping others because there there is a a, a lot of pain a lot of hurt a lot of a lot of just things in this world and we are the light um Tommy right. this uh this podcast went really quick i was just i was looking at it i was like wow man that was fast but um romans ten fourteen says how would they call on him whom they have not believed and how would they believe in him who they have not heard and how would they hear without a preacher tommy can you share the gospel with our worldwide audience today I think we've uh, kind of covered it just a little bit in the <laughs> earlier, <laughs> but I, I believe that um, Romans ten nine and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess mm-hmm. with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. And that's the beginning of a journey. Mm-hmm. Coming to faith is a process as well as a one-time decision that gets made multiple times in your life. Basically, every time you wake up, it's a decision that you will want to reaffirm that you're this day you're going to follow Christ and you're going to be his disciple. It's a process of learning. While we surrender continuously our lives to glorify God, it is that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that who would ever believe in him would be saved. And Christ's death 
burial and resurrection is a story that you will spend the rest of your life learning, exploring, and uh, gaining new knowledge and insight. The Bible says it's living and active so that we can learn about who God's character, who, who God is in his character, and how we can be more like him. This is what's going to change the world. This is what's going to change trafficking, is when we live in such a way that our lives reflect who he is and what he's doing in the world. We just get to go along and join him, and it's a most exciting adventure I could ever have asked for in my personal life. And if you grapple with this well, uh, your life becomes so much more when you have Christ in your heart. Amen. Well, uh, thank you for coming on, Dr. Tommy Grover, to Bridge Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, please go get the book, Compelled, by Austin Brothers Publishing. We barely touch the surface on this book. Uh, we gave you a lot of information, but you guys got to come in, get the book. And, and Tommy, where can people find you if you want to be found? Uh, where can they get your book besides Bridge um, for a listening audience or global audience? Yeah, it's currently available on Amazon in a digital format, mm. which is where I spend uh, um, most of my uh, reading is in, in the digital space. And it's the most cost-effective way to get a hold of the book. Uh, but you can actually order it from Amazon. Um, you could probably get it on Goodreads or Smash words as well and if you have any questions austin brothers publishing also can make it available if you wanted to buy a, a set of them for a group of study austin brothers is probably the best place to get um the best price on that okay uh are you on any social media at all that you would like to share so, <laughs> i used to be okay <laughs> i used to have my own website and uh currently because of assignments that i'm on i'm completely off okay of social media okay. and uh, i know it, it it doesn't make for a, a great option to get a hold of me but um if you guys uh um want to um uh, broker that you can give them my personal email um and I'm glad to answer any questions that you guys would uh, have come your way as well. Now, uh, just real quick, uh, Tommy, do you do uh, seminars for for people on this topic? Like if let's say a church wanted to come in, have you come in and just talk about this or teach about this? Do you do that or right now or not? Um, it's, it's a possibility. I okay. would have to, to, um, double check on, but I, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of resources okay. and, um, that are currently available in the community. And I can certainly make some recommendations on some excellent presenters. Okay. Awesome. And then there's, there's some resources that I'd like to recommend that would be available to your audience that could help them on this journey as well. Okay. And, um, in our state, uh, the, Governor's Office actually has a program called Grace, Governor's Response Against Child Exploitation. And if folks want to go to the governor's website, gov.texas, the whole word, .gov slash CSTT for the child sex trafficking team, they can find the Grace Project there. And those are, uh, it's an interfaith, um, non-denominational kind of uh, resource where if any uh, organization would want to have prayer supports or information that they can distribute to the congregation. That's a really good place to start. Mm. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Tommy Grover. Thank you, Tommy, for coming on Bridge Radio. Uh, again, for our listening audience, please go get the book. 
uh, read it, uh, you know, maybe get a, a study group together to talk about this. Uh, I think that you guys will be very much blessed. Thank you, uh, Tommy, for coming on today. My pleasure. Thank you again so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode uh, with Dr. Tommy Grover on her book, Compelled, by Austin Brothers Publishing. Um, You know, going through this book, it was uh, very much challenging to just uh, uh, read some of the statistical facts, um, the exploitation of children and um, how they get exploited through labor and just uh, through just that sexual stuff that happens. I mean, it's it's repulsive. It's uh, heinous. Uh, you know, it's nasty. And um, and and hopefully, you know, you guys will go out and get the book. We have a conversation about this uh, within our churches, especially being in a border town. Um, I'm sure that you guys know people who have been sexually abused, uh, um, and, and and that's and that's hard, right? Like. And, and, and it's sick. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to say it. And, and, but, but the, the thing that we need to focus on, um, with everything that's just maybe happened in our lives, that there is a God, a loving God, you know, who sent his son in this world to die for that nasty, dirty stuff that, you know, we've talked about today and all the other things. And that, uh, our hope is in Christ. Um, our hope is always in him. We look to him for everything um and 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 we when we give him thanks every day and and again you know guys if if you guys don't know the lord jesus christ you know um dr tommy shared the gospel with us god loves you right and he calls us to uh repent our sins uh turn away from that and, and come to him right so um again uh go get the book guys uh, let's have a conversation about this it's it's definitely definitely convicting um and you know (laughs) i don't know what what else to say but uh please don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube and like we always like to end the show what is your only comfort in life and in death that i am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior jesus christ to next week.